In our message today, we are going to be talking about the subject of humility and how God brought the top dog down and taught him some humble pie so that he then could see how great and merciful God is. Hey everyone, we are so happy to have you here with us as we continue our message series, Stand Out. And I'm just going to encourage you that before you listen to this message to just stop and you can read Daniel chapter 4 in your Bibles as we are just going to be making reference to some of the verses that are in that chapter. But it will definitely help you in your understanding of this if you read the whole chapter. But as we start out today, I want you to think about who you root for when you're watching a sports team. Do you root for someone who is the underdog? Or are you the kind of person that is cheering for the top dog? I think back to World Series championships. I think back to Super Bowls. I think back on some of our own state championship uh, runs. And obviously, aside from my team that I'm cheering for, I often find myself rooting for the underdog. And, and why is that? Because I think, I think we all would agree that we enjoy watching someone who is top dog eat some humble pie. Well, today we're going to be talking about the value of humility. And what we see evident in this section in Daniel chapter 4 is that King Nebuchadnezzar ate some humble pie. That he was literally top dog. And that in these words in Daniel chapter 4, as he shares his story of how God humbled him, we see that he's someone who is admitting his weaknesses, which is unheard of in those days. And so the, the big question that we want to ask ourselves is this, how does humble love bring desired change? Because to a certain extent, it was Daniel's humble love, Daniel's humble influence on Nebuchadnezzar that brought about this change in Nebuchadnezzar, admitting that he was no longer top dog, that he was admitting that God was the one who was in control. And I just, when I stop and think about it, humility is something that runs counterculture in our world today, right? I mean, you think about Hollywood actors and actresses, you think about uh, the sports teams that are doing really well, and you won't see them downplay their accomplishments, will you? you? You'll often hear them talking about all the accolades, all the awards they've won, and so on. And that's because pride comes very naturally. Humility, on the other hand, runs counterculture. And it makes me think of uh, Larry Osborne's quote in his book, Thriving in Babylon. And uh, it's a book that's about Daniel and how Daniel thrived in Babylon, even though he was someone who was a humble person. And this is what he had to say. He said, I don't think I've ever heard a dad say he wanted his son to grow up to be humble. It carries a weak and mostly negative connotation. When we speak of someone coming from humble stock, we don't mean it as a compliment. And when we talk about living in humble circumstances, it's not with envy. So the question is, why would I even want to be humble in an ego-driven world? Well, the answer is found in this chapter in Daniel chapter 4. So where we're going to start is, is looking at Daniel chapter 4, verse 4. And this is what Nebuchadnezzar had to say about the dream that he had. 
I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was lying in bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. Now, we'll just stop there for a second. I think we can all relate that all of us have had dreams where we've woken up and we were genuinely afraid. I think it probably happened more when I was younger. We call them nightmares. And some of them, honestly, were so vivid to me that I remember them to this day. Well, in Babylon, whenever there was a dream that uh, a king had, it was something that they viewed as a message from the gods. And this was no exception. But this dream was a little bit different. This dream was something that caused Nebuchadnezzar to be afraid, even though he was the most powerful man in the world, because he realized that this dream meant something that would be judgment on him. And so he consulted all of his wise men, and none of them could interpret the dream for him. And then he finally called in Daniel. And this is what it says in chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, Daniel came into my presence, and I told him, the dream. Now, as we think about humble love bringing about a desired change, not only in ourselves, but in people around us, what we see here is something that we can learn from Daniel and how we relate to people who maybe have different political opinions, different religious beliefs than us, maybe just different ways of looking at the world. How do we relate to people who are different than us? Well, here's what we can learn from Daniel, and this is our first point that humble love begins with intentional listening. Dr. Stephen Covey, in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, says that, that habit five is seek first to understand, then to be understood. I think we would all agree that you don't have to be a Christian to appreciate the principle that he's saying here that to have the habit of seeking to understand others before we seek to be understood is incredibly valuable in every relationship that we have. But I think we'd also agree that that's especially true for Christians. And part of the, the problem with Christians in our world today is that there's a perception, and, and I think somewhat a true perception about Christians, is that Christians make terrible listeners. That there are many Christians who are just trying to push their agenda on our world around us and not really listening to what people have to say. And that's unfortunate because Jesus was a good listener and we want to represent him well to the world around us. Certainly Daniel was a good listener as we see here that he was willing to listen to what Nebuchadnezzar had to say. He was willing to seek understanding before seeking to be understood. Now as we take a look at verse 19, Nebuchadnezzar then told Daniel his dream, and, and look at Daniel's reaction. Then Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, that was the name that Nebuchadnezzar gave him, was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Belteshazzar answered, My lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. So what we see here is that the, the word for perplexed means that Daniel stood motionless, that he was stunned at this dream that Nebuchadnezzar shared with him, and that he was also equally saddened by what it would mean for his king. 
Now, we would expect that since this king had captured Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, had destroyed Daniel's family life, had brought Daniel to a foreign country, forced him to basically study all of the the um, education of the Babylonians, the religion of the Babylonians, and so on, you would think that Daniel would be glad that Nebuchadnezzar was finally going to get what he deserved. But that's not what we observe here. Instead, we see humble love in Daniel. And then Daniel used this as an opportunity to be able to have a courageous conversation. If you look at verse 27, he says, Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right, and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. Can you imagine how hard it must have been for Daniel to say this to his king? This required courage. So after listening well, he then was able to speak the truth in love to this wicked king who had done so much harm to Daniel's people, who had been so evil in all the choices that he had made, and yet Daniel wanted what's best for him. And so Daniel told him the truth. And so this is uh, one of the points that we want to make when it comes to our humble love as well, that humble love leads to courageous conversations, which helps lead to God. Now, that lead stands for something. The L stands for listen. In other words, as we go back and think, to seek understanding before seeking to be understood. I, I just think of the, the different examples of, of doctors that I've dealt with over the years, that there are some that just have incredible bedside manner, that they will take time to be with you, that they will listen to what you're having to say, that you can tell that they genuinely care for you. And that's what listening does. As we listen to people around us, we can show that not only do we care, but God cares. And that's what Daniel did for Nebuchadnezzar. Now, the E in lead then stands for empathize. It means that we're putting ourselves in, in another person's shoes, that we're, we're seeking to understand not just what they're saying, but how they're feeling about what they're saying. Now, certain people have a better giftedness at this than others, but all of us want to seek to put ourselves in the shoes of other people and to understand how they feel about what they're experiencing. And of course, Daniel, as he listened to Nebuchadnezzar, he could sense that Nebuchadnezzar was afraid. And then the A in lead stands for affirm, that we want to affirm people and to put value in what they're saying. Even if we disagree with what they're saying, we still want to affirm them that they have value in our eyes regardless of what their opinion, regardless of what it is that they're, that they're talking about. I think sometimes Christians, that we, we have this tendency to put people off because we're not very good at affirming them even if we disagree with what they're having to say. So that's something to work on. But then finally, the D stands for direct. And it means that we want to direct people to the one who is the solution for every problem that we have. Even the problem that we are caused by ourselves. So in this case, Nebuchadnezzar's problem was his pride. And that God was going to bring judgment on him if he, if he continued in that. And that's why Daniel directed him to God, told him, renounce your sins, repent of your sins, turn away from your wickedness and the way you oppress people. 
and then perhaps God will have mercy on you. And so that listen, empathize, affirm, and direct is a great way for us to be able to have courageous conversations with people as we point them to the one who is the solver of all the problems that they may be experiencing. Now, here's the thing is that we, we want to understand that in verse 28, look at what happened. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? So Nebuchadnezzar didn't get the message, did he? And as we're going to see, then God brought judgment on him. But he gave him 12 months to, to think about what Daniel's courageous conversation was all about. But let's just do a moment of self-reflection here. Sometimes it's so easy to point the finger at other people and say, well, at least I'm not as proud as them. But you see the problem in that, right? That as soon as we go there, then we're the ones that have the, the pride problem in our heart. And that's why I think it's a very fitting question as we kind of diagnose, where am I at in this section? Do I see some parts of my heart being like Nebuchadnezzar's? So are there times that I'm taking pride in my work? Are there times that I take credit even though God alone is the one who gave me the abilities that I have? And the answer is, yeah, absolutely. I am guilty of that. And in fact, sometimes I find myself worrying more about what people think of the messages that I'm giving than considering and focusing on whether or not they're getting God in the message. That I'm more worried about what I look like instead of what God looks like in the messages that I have. And that's a problem. That's a sin problem. That's a pride problem that I need to repent of and renounce that sin. And if you're anything like me, then you probably struggle with that too. Maybe as a parent, sometimes you're really proud of your kids' accomplishments and, and you take credit for that. Maybe sometimes uh, in work, you want to take credit for all the successes that you've had in work. And yet we need to realize God is the one who gives us those blessings, that he deserves the glory and praise for that. And that's why it's so important as we confess our sins to look to God then as the one who gives us forgiveness. And if you look at verse 31, it says, Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. Nebuchadnezzar had to learn humility the hard way. And I think that if, 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 we're, if we think about this in terms of our own lives, that's true for us too. Wouldn't you agree? Back in, in college, I was, I was pretty proud of the car I had. It was, get this, a Pontiac 6000. Now, most of you are like, what is that? That's because it was not like the greatest car in the world. However, I was very proud of the stereo that I had in this car. And I had to eat humble pie. 
because one night I was playing it super loud with my friends in the car and woke up the next morning and where my car had been parked, there was a pile of glass and my car was gone. When my car was found, the stereo was gone. I had to learn humility the hard way. What I stop and think about that is that God loves us enough to bring those situations into our lives to lead us to focus on his power and mercy. And that's really what happened with Nebuchadnezzar too. And this is one of our takeaways here is that lessons of humility are an act of God's power and mercy. That God brought this, this judgment on Nebuchadnezzar that he basically lost his sanity and so he went insane for a time and went and lived with the wild animals. And God did that to humble him so that he could see that God alone is the one who is all-powerful, that God is the one who alone gave Nebuchadnezzar his kingdom and his power to be able to rule and conquer nations, that God alone is the one who's also merciful. That Just think about that. Mercy means that God does not treat us as our sins deserve. Nebuchadnezzar deserved a lot worse than being insane for a time. What he deserved was eternal death in hell. And the same is true for you and me. For all the times that we've been too proud, for all the times we've taken credit for what we've done instead of focusing and giving glory to God and worshiping him only, we deserve eternal death in hell too. But God does not treat us as our sins deserve. He is merciful. Now, if you take a look at the, the rest of this account then, look at verse 34. It says, At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. What's amazing to see is that Nebuchadnezzar learned his lesson. God in his mercy brought about this judgment on him so that he was able to learn the lesson of who ultimately is in control. And that is all an act of love. That God wants us in heaven. He wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And that's why, that's why this story was recorded in the Bible. That this king, who was the most powerful person on earth at the time, was willing to admit what happened to him. And he gave praise to God. He was willing to share his story. And this is really our final point as we think about this, that all of us have a story to share. The greatest story ever told is not about God humbling us, but that Jesus humbled himself to save us. Where we're going to close today is to just camp out on that thought for a moment. That God humbles us because he loves us. But nowhere do we see his love more clearly than on the cross. Where, as Nebuchadnezzar had said, he is the most high God, the king of heaven and earth, the king over all. Where we see that king humble himself to the point of death on a cross, where he wore not a crown of glory, but a crown of thorns in our place. So that we can be absolutely certain we are forgiven for all those proud moments. Where we can be absolutely certain that 
as we walk humbly before our God, confessing our sins, relying on the forgiveness that Jesus won for us, that like Daniel, we will truly stand out. Not because we're so great, but because God is. That he is the one that we want to point to and give glory to. Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this story. As we hear from Daniel that Nebuchadnezzar was willing to admit that he is not top dog. And that we as underdogs get to look to you, God, as the one who is top dog, who has our best interests in mind. That you are truly worthy of our praise each and every day as we walk humbly and love humbly, even with those people that we don't necessarily agree with. Help us, Lord, to be good listeners. Help us to be humble as we listen to the people around us so that we can lead them to you. And we ask your blessing on all of our conversations that they may be humble and courageous. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray this. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.